The following program deals with military and veteran issues. All comments and opinions expressed on this show are those who made them. They do not reflect the opinions of the Church of Satan or Radio Free Satan. So on with the show. Official Infernal Legion podcast, the sinister scuttlebutt episode for the month of April, year 57, Anno Satanus. I'm your host, Warlock Jeff Bowling, commander of the Infernal Legion, and with me, as always, is my co host, Warlock Dwayne Burns, the VSO of the Infernal Legion. Dwayne, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing all right. I'm a little under the weather, but I'm here. You know, under the weather, like. No, I'm not. The virus. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> mentally under the weather. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think it's it's been a rough month for everyone. That's why this right. this episode is so damn late. But we're gonna blame that on the Russians. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, joining us back in the corner is our lovable producer, Warlock Jeff Ivans, the combo officer for the Infernal Legion. Jeff, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. You sound in better spirits than Dwayne does. Well, yeah. I didn't really <laughs> look it. A couple of that. De- <laughs> <laughs> a couple days, a couple days ago was my fifty third birthday. So, oh, happy birthday! Oh, you didn't pay attention to Facebook. Yeah, I sent well, you a I, private message, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm playing it off myself. <laughs> yeah, Dwayne's always playing with himself, so who cares? <laughs> Speaking of birthdays, uh, this past Monday was uh, the birthday of Anton Xander Levey. Would have been his ninety second birthday. Um. Oh. So I hope everyone busted out the Satanic Bible and gave a little read-through on that day. Yes. Especially since that's <laughs> also my birthday. Yes, it is also your birthday as well, so. uh, which is why you got a private message and he got a blast on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care because it's kind of like, nah, don't I want people to post them? Nah. Right. <laughs> All right, well, as our audience probably knows if they listened to the last episode, uh, this episode, though it is late due to Russian interference, um, <laughs> it's going to be all about the Ukraine-Russian conflict, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And this is a long and winding path we have to walk down. So we're going to do our best at this. I'm going to break all the rules of radio etiquette uh, by initially saying that I want to apologize to our listening audience, uh, for two things. One, we are going to butcher some of these names. <laughs> Ukrainian and Russian is not our first language. Uh, and I don't even think it's our second language in any of our cases. <laughs> so uh, so we're going to butcher these names, and I apologize in advance for that. The, ah, second thing very good. Is, <laughs> the second thing is that this is a very convoluted uh thing that is happening. This whole invasion is very convoluted. Um, There's been a rash of fake information being pumped out all around the board and trying to narrow down the actual facts has been very difficult. So I want to tentatively apologize if we get anything wrong in this. I have done my best to uh, vet it through multiple sources, to uh, contact acquaintances that I have both in Ukraine and in Russia. to, to confirm certain things, 
but I can't you, promise any of it's actually ran, true. You ran it through the onion.com? Right, yes. I, I went with, our, with our exclusive fact checker, duffelblog.com. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive into this, this mess that's happening over in Europe right now, uh, let's thank our sponsors and get that out of the way, shall we? Uh, first and foremost, you heard me mention them. Duffelblog.com is your source for uh, military news satire. Uh, some of it written by yours truly. Uh, it is, unironically, the number one most trusted source of news in the United States military. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> uh, and, so, also, and, and so we get this right, the Warlock Emporium. Yes, the Warlock Emporium. Because I keep messing up the website. <laughs> the Warlock Emporium uh, is your source for bespoke items for the chosen few. It is the only seller authorized to use the official sigil of the Satanic Warlock designed by Magister Dr. Robert Johnson. Uh, they are now offering a 10% military discount. Instructions will be on the website, which is thewarlockemporium.com. Uh, also, books, 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 right? We Are Satanists by Blanche Barton is out now. It's anywhere you can buy a book, you can find it. Uh, obviously, recommend that you go through uh, satanme.com uh, and keep that money in-house. But you must read We Are Satanists, no matter where you get it from. Uh, there's even a little blurb about the Infernal Legion in there. So thank you very much, Magister Barton. Uh, also, as we were just talking about before we recorded this, uh, come April 30th on Valpurgisnacht, it is the 15th anniversary of the Satanic Scriptures by Megas Peter H. Gilmore. So that's going to be an exciting time. And if you'd like to purchase a copy of the Satanic Scriptures by Megas Peter H. Gilmore, I suggest going to underworldamusements.com, the actual publishers of this book, and uh, buying it directly from them. Underworldamusements.com is your source for curious sundries and callous broadsides. Now, I believe that checks all of our blocks, right? Oh, we have one more. We have one more. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Who's our host? Oh, that's right. RadioFreeSatan.com. That joke gets so tired, but I keep doing it. Yes, you do. (laughs) RadioFreeSatan.com is the media wing of the Church of Satan. Uh, on Radio Free Satan, you'll find fantastic podcasts, everything from news and commentary like what we do to music like what War- Warlock uh, Ivans does on, on the Metro and um, the what's the other show? Sanitarium. sanitarium. Uh, you'll find uh, uh, news and commentary, music, and just um, uh, comedy shows. And uh, there's just so much stuff. I can't narrow it all down. We will play some commercials later on in the episode so you can hear the kind of shows. But definitely, if you're looking for a good podcast, come right here to RadioFreeSatan.com. Now, is there for real anybody else? I think we got it all. All right. Let's go wading into the garbage pit of the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, shall we? All right, so I want to start with some some uh, some long distance background on what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, it starts before the invasion ever began, because I think it's important for people to know that that Ukraine, especially the city of Kiev, its capital city, is the uh, historic home 
of the Rus people, which eventually settled and conquered Russia. Um, ever since the Rus basically moved out of Kiev into what we now know as Russia, there has been tension between Ukraine, to, which wasn't always called Ukraine, but the area we now know as Ukraine and the country of Russia. Uh, there's been skirmishes, there's been battles. All of this got put aside when the Soviet Union was formed. Uh, when the Soviet Union was formed, Ukraine uh, and Russia obviously joined the Soviet Union and were together for quite a long time. In the early 90s, when the Soviet Union fell apart, uh, Ukraine was recognized as an independent country. Uh, and the skirmishes basically picked up right where they left off between them and Russia. Well, it wasn't and, all Ukraine. There were various other countries, Georgia, uh, other ones like certainly. that. But, but as far as the tensions between Ukraine and Russia, they picked up almost immediately. Oh, absolutely. Um, fast forward to 2014, which is the big moment where things kind of went sideways between Ukraine and Russia. In 2014, um, Ukrainian forces, and I, I want to clarify, not official Ukrainian forces, so militia forces, um, invaded, quote-unquote, uh, the Donbass region of Ukraine. Donbass is a ethnically Russian area of Ukraine. So that's another thing that's important to note. Ukraine is split between ethnically Ukrainian people and ethnically Russian people, which is to be expected considering it sits right on the border with Russia and all the things we mentioned before this. Uh, at the same time that these militia forces were quote-unquote invading Donbass, uh, Russia took over Crimea. And uh, you probably remember this now that I'm talking about it because it was everywhere. It was, all, it was big in the news. They occupied Crimea. And they're still there. They've officially claimed it. And as far as anyone can tell, Ukraine has basically given up any right to it. So Crimea belongs to the Russians. Uh, militia forces did some some shady things in the Donbass region. Most of those militia forces got absorbed into the actual military of Ukraine and became official, which leads us to February of this year. In February of this year, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, <clears throat> began amassing troops along the border to the Ukraine. All in all, it's estimated that he amassed about 100,000 troops, uh, plus weapons and things of that nature. Um, for the most part, as far as, as I could tell, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, nobody really, really thought he was going to do much. Like it wasn't, it, it, all they did was kind of report that there were troops there and they weren't really, uh, focused on what he was or wasn't going to do. They kind of thought it was just saber rattling uh, until February 21st when Putin made a announcement a public announcement recognizing the independence of Donetsk and Luhansk in the Donbass region of Ukraine. Basically, that was Vladimir Putin's way of inserting Russia into internal politics inside Ukraine. A few days later, on February 24th, Russia officially invaded Ukraine. They crossed, the troops crossed the border and began bombing uh, both aerial and with field artillery. Uh, 
the convoys appeared. Um, most everybody knows how the beginning of this kind of went down. So this starts on February 24th. Uh, this is where I'm going to pick up the timeline. And we're going to run through the timeline of what's been happening. And uh, my co-host here and our producer will jump in whenever they feel like it to give their opinion on something, to correct something that I might have gotten wrong, or what have you. So we're just going to run through a calendar. On February 24th, Russia invades Ukraine. At this, on the same day, the Moscow Stock Exchange plummeted 45%. Uh, on February 26th, the European Union banned Russian banks from using the SWIFT system, which is a system designed to let banks communicate with one another. Um, all of this, of course, severely damaged the ruble. Uh, and uh, I don't have an exact figure in front of me, but the ruble is basically worthless at this point. Yeah. <laughs> on February 27th, European Union banned Russian civilian aircraft and state-owned media. So they established a no-fly zone uh, throughout Europe on Russian civilian aircraft, and they banned state-owned media like Sputnik and RT from Russia from being broadcast in Europe. Uh, On that same day, Russian troops moved uh, closer towards Kiev. This was actually the first time that we spotted the the long convoy. Um, uh, They also moved uh, towards Kharkiv and Kherson, uh, and Ukrainian civilians officially entered the war, um, not as casualties, not yet, uh, but this was when uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine started handing out weapons to civilians to help fight the Russian invaders. On that same day as well, 3,000 National Guard, Army National Guard troops from the United States that were in the Ukraine were withdrawn to Poland, which is a NATO country. Uh, and an additional 5,000 troops from the 82nd Airborne Division were deployed to Poland. Now, with the bases that were already in Poland and the U.S. military presence there, that brings the U.S. presence directly on the other side of this border from this conflict to about 10,000 troops. Um, on February 28th, uh, Ukraine or Ukraine applied to join the European Union officially. Uh And the first ceasefire talks were announced between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, The ruble dropped an additional 30% on that day, and it was already doing terrible. (laughs) Right now, right now, uh, Lou, at this moment, I mean, you're going to talk about it dropping more and more until current date. But right Mm. now, the ruble is worth 0.012169 American dollars. So it, it takes a thousand rubles to make. <clears throat> pardon me. It takes one thousand rubles to make twelve dollars and seventeen cents. Wow, those are. Uh, I've done a bit of traveling in my day, and those are uh, those are third world country numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, does anybody wow. know? If, anybody know if it's illegal for us to go over and buy uh, rubles and stash them away until they when they go back up? <laughs> well, they won't let us in the country. But as far as I know, no, it's no, no. No, well, I don't I, know. Uh, a lot of people are boycotting anything Russian, so I if you, if you, you can't even trade it. Yeah. Wow. Don't even get me started on boycotting my beloved vodka. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> I'm not looking uh, to support Russia. I was looking to support myself. I'm looking to support my liver. <laughs> you mean damage your liver? <laughs> 
so also on the February 28th, uh, the European Union approved a uh, 500 million euro support package to Ukraine, including weapons. Uh, on March 1st, uh, the Russian convoy continued towards Kiev uh, and actually got into a few skirmishes along the way. Uh, Kharkiv, Mariupol, and Kherson, uh, the siege of those three cities began. Uh, Russian troops began fighting in the suburbs. Um, the uh, organization Human Rights Watch reported uh, Russian cluster bombs were targeting civilians. Uh, this was the first day that this had been brought to light. Um, and on that same day, in response, most likely to that Human Rights Watch uh, report, the United States officially declared a uh, no-fly zone uh, for Russian civilian aircraft. Um, that move specifically kind of seems more performative than anything. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of Russian aircraft ever flying over the U.S., and if there were, you can bet we were scrambling fighter jets to escort it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, it's an official ban. It has officially been banned uh, in U.S. airspace. <laughs> On um, March 2nd, Russian tanks entered Kherson and officially took the city. Uh, and as far as I know, the Kursan is still being held by Russians at this moment. Uh, the number of Ukrainian refugees. So that's something I didn't mention before, but the second Russia invaded, obviously refugees started leaving the country. Now, uh, the way it currently stands uh, is military age males, at which they defined as males from 18 to 60, unless they have a severe disability, are not allowed to leave the country. They basically have to fight. Um, but women, children, and anyone outside of those age ranges are uh, being allowed to leave. March 2nd of this year was the first time that that number surpassed 1 million people. Uh, most of them, of course, are going to Poland and then being processed throughout NATO countries from there. Um, on March 3rd, international criminal courts uh, began an official investigation into alleged war crimes by Russia. Um, I do want to note on that that uh, they have not concluded their investigation yet. There has been no official um, word from the, the International Criminal Courts about this. Plus, and I didn't really think about it. Um, I've been researching this for weeks, but I didn't really think about it until the other night. I was watching a, uh, a show, and uh, one of the guests on the show was uh, – um, discussing the the war crimes issue uh, because what we do know and we will get into later um that that russians have actually been killing civilians and it seems on purpose in many cases now by definition that is a war crime you're not allowed to do that however as the guest on the show pointed out there ain't fuck all anyone can do about it till the war's so even if you wanted to hold vladimir putin uh, responsible for these war crimes, they could, you know, indict that, but they couldn't actually go into Russia, arrest him, and put him on trial until the war is over. That is some obscure law that comes out of the Geneva Convention that I had never heard of before. So, of course, I went to look it up, and, and in fact, she was absolutely correct. But they've begun the investigation. That investigation is still ongoing. Um, on March 4th, Vladimir Putin banned Twitter, Facebook, Voice of America, BBC, and Deutsche Welle, 
uh, all obviously NATO um, news companies and social media companies from the United States uh, and officially criminalized, quote unquote, fake news. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? <laughs> fake news. Now, what I would love to uh, to hear, because I didn't get to listen to this announcement, and I'm not sure that it, that it was played live. I think it might have just been a press release. Um, but I would love to know the Russian words for fake news, because I bet it sounds amazing. Um, on March oh, 5th, boy. <laughs> in, uh, in response to this, the United States officially issued instructions to American citizens to leave Russia. Um. No official evacuation. Obviously, we're not putting troops onto Russian soil to get our people out yet, and hopefully we never do. Uh, but the word is out there now, if you're an American citizen, you should not be in Russia. Uh, on March 8th, the U.S. rejected the Polish attempt to transfer, transfer an unknown number of MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. Uh, the stated reason was that they wanted to keep NATO out of the war, which I'm a big fan of. Um, we'll get to that later. On the same day, the United States officially banned imports of Russian crude oil. Now, anyone who's been paying attention to this, they know that the the number one thing that basically uh, all, well, number one and two things that all NATO countries have been doing to support Ukraine, because obviously NATO is not going to support Russia, um, is uh, sanctions and the uh, uh, financial and weapons support being sent to Ukraine. Uh, sanctions on Russia have been brutal. Um, and we've, we've kind of already hinted at it. The, the value of the ruble has plummeted. The stock market has crashed. Uh, there's been reports of uh, uh, Russian, uh, forget the term now, oligarchs, Russian oligarchs in other countries, some who haven't even lived in Russia for more than a decade, uh, having their personal property repossessed in places like Brazil and Argentina. <laughs> um, uh, if, if you could have an economic war, that's exactly what's happening between NATO and Russia at this moment. And to be quite honest, it seems to be kind of effective. Um, and obviously, as I go through this list, we'll talk touch more and more on that. Um. And on March 8th, the last thing I have for that is the Ukraine, the number of Ukrainian refugees officially hit 2 million. Uh, on March 9th, a Russian airstrike hits a maternity hospital, killing three civilians, uh, but officially claims that they were not civilians, they were radicals that were hiding in the hospital. Uh, fighting finally reaches the Kiev sur- suburbs. Um, complete with airstrikes and artillery strikes and literal shooting from the streets. Uh, and the International Monetary Fund sends Ukraine $1.4 billion in aid, uh, U.S. dollars in aid. On March 10th, Russia bombs the so-called evacuation corridor leading from Ukraine to Poland. Uh preventing both the flow of refugees leaving and uh, aid from uh, NATO countries and allied nations coming in. Um, 
This is the first moment, March 10th, this bombing of the evacuation corridor, and on March 9th, the bombing of the hospital. These are the first two times that Russia blatantly attacks civilians. Um, And when I say blatantly, I want to be very clear that this was broadcast all around the world except in Russia (laughs) on every major news outlet. It was printed in every paper. There was no denying that this happened. So going back to the March 3rd and the, uh, the war crimes investigation, we'll have to see how that plays out once all this is over. I think all that goes back. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think all that goes back to right around uh, when they uh, attacked that movie theater as well, that in the front and in the back of the theater on the ground, they had printed children inside. Yeah, we haven't got to that yet. That hasn't happened yet. I, I thought that did happen by then. No, no. This oh, is, uh, the only thing right now is the hospital and the evacuation corridor. I thought that it happened by then. <clears throat> um, and then the United States approved a $13.6 billion aid package to Ukraine. I try not to get political on the show. <laughs> and uh, and I, feel, I feel for the people in Ukraine, especially my friends that are there. Uh, but man, it didn't take long at all to approve $13.6 billion in aid to Ukraine. But how long were we hemming and hawing about relief packages for COVID for our own citizens? Months. Ridiculous. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, March 11th, Russia officially takes, I'm going to butcher this, Melito Pole. Uh, Capturing the mayor, uh, who is still being held by Russian forces. He's not been turned over yet. Uh, On that same day, Vladimir Putin officially approved the use of mercenaries. Um, And I'm using mercenary in its traditional sense. Obviously, mercenaries are not allowed under the Geneva Convention. So instead, they hire private security contractors (laughs) to do this. Um, specifically, uh, yeah, specifically uh, companies that were founded in Saudi Arabia and China and have soldiers from everywhere uh, in the Middle East and Africa. Um, and then this is also the same day that the that Ukraine. I keep wanting to say the Ukraine, and that's not appropriate. I uh, I just recently found out that you can't call it the Ukraine. Um, uh, Ukraine stood up its foreign legion. Um, allowing specifically combat veterans. They don't really want just random Joe Blow uh, trying to join the uh, Ukrainian Foreign Legion. They want combat veterans from other countries to join up. Um, And I have a few friends that that actually went over there and did that, and if you're listening to this and you're still interested in doing that, uh, the information for doing so is on our Facebook page, the Infernal Legion Facebook page. Um. And uh, the European Union – now, this one was hard to find information about, so maybe you guys can help me out here. The European Union issued the Versailles Declaration on this day. And I have looked and looked, and I can't figure out what that is. But it was noteworthy. It was newsworthy. Um, So I'm not really sure what that means. The Versailles document? Versailles. V-E-R-S-A-I, I believe. 
Yeah. Versailles, V-E-R-S-A-I-L-L-E-S. Oh. <laughs> I really fucked that up. <laughs> so if you want, you guys want to look that up, I'm going to jump to the next thing, but we'll come back to that for sure. But I, I couldn't find anything clear like what that means. As far as I know, it's just more fish shaking. <laughs> On uh, March 12th, Russian tanks shelled a civilian apartment building in Mariupol. Uh, this was the first time that while Russia had besieged Mariupol uh, several days before this, maybe in a week before this, I, I mentioned it in this timeline, uh, this was the first time that the fighting actually got into the city itself. Um, now, uh, the difficult thing about this uh, specific action is that there are no, and there probably won't be for a while, there are no reports of if any civilians were actually in the apartment building when it got hit, um, if any of them were injured or killed. Uh, and part of that is that Russia took that city eventually and now owns it, so we're not going to know what happened there for a long time. Uh, on that same day, and this is one I have an issue with, uh, two Associated Press reporters claimed that they were targeted by Russian snipers at a checkpoint. Now I've watched three different videos from three different angles of this uh, of this incident, all shot by the reporters and their cameramen, uh, and I'm not convinced that this was Russian snipers, and I don't think it was Ukrainian military. Uh, if you remember earlier, I mentioned that uh, Ukraine handed out weapons to its civilians to help fight the Russians. Well, a side effect of that has been that gangs in the area have begun to do gang shit with those weapons, uh, including setting up fake checkpoints on the roadway. Now, I can't say for sure that it was them, but I saw absolutely no markings of Russians on this con- uh, on this checkpoint, and I saw no official Ukrainian military vehicles. So I can't go with the AP on that and say that it was for sure Russian snipers. Do with that what you will. On uh, March 13th, Russia fired 30 cruise missiles at military training bases in, and again, I'm going to Yavoriv. Which is uh, another against the laws of war. <laughs> right. You do not um, shoot cluster bombs. And on the same day, Chechnya, uh, Russian territory, uh, officially joined Russia in the war and deployed troops to Ukraine as well. <clears throat> Did anyone ever find out what the Versailles declaration was everything oh, i'm I, finding is in uh is in french and i don't speak right everything's in french saying that's my problem too well that happened they issued a when marcone was over there doing all of his shit quite possibly yeah that wouldn't match up timeline right right um where are we here all right march 15th i told you this is this is a long and winding mm-hmm. road uh, the number of Ukrainian refugees surpasses three million people. This is, uh, by the way, when I when I talk about the refugees and the numbers, this does not count in internally displaced peoples. The, those are not representing these numbers. So these are just at this point on March fifteenth, three million Ukrainian refugees leaving the country. There are probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions, more internally displaced inside Ukraine. Um. Also on March 15th, President Zelensky of Ukraine uh, repealed 
the application to join the European Union. Now, rumors are that this was part of some whatever uh, happened during the first wave of peace talks with Russia, but there's no there's no way to verify that. Um, on March 16th, uh, the second round of peace talks occurs. Uh, Vladimir Putin cracks down on citizen dissent in Russia. Uh, there was several civilian protests happening um, around, mostly in Moscow, but in, also in some uh, outlying areas. Uh, yeah, 1400, somebody told them the truth. <laughs> 1,400 people were arrested and jailed and uh, are still in jail. Oh, I'm sure. From those protests. Um, I have not heard, I've not been able to find a single uh, uh, report of anyone that was arrested in that first wave of crackdowns being released yet. Um, well, the last I heard, there was over 4,000 people total that have been arrested since the, since and, the, and they, the yeah. war began. This was just the first care. time it happened. Yeah. They didn't care who they were arresting either. They went out and got old grandma. They got everybody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, reportedly, even just being in an area too long, that right. could accommodate a crowd. So in a square, like, you know, a, a square, a town square, being in that area too long could get you arrested. <laughs> so, um, crazy stuff. Uh, Russian troops bombed Mariupol's municipal theater. Hundreds were trapped inside. This is what Dwayne was referencing before. Um, on the sides and the top of the building, it said children inside. In I, I want to say in Russian. It might have been in Ukrainian. I'm not positive. Well, Russian uh, and Ukrainian are very, very similar. If, right. if you could... If you could, I don't know if I want to make that kind of <laughs> generalization. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say something that I. Um, um, it's 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 like uh, comparing Spanish to. Um, uh, and now I'm doing it. Uh, the set the language spoken South America. Right. I, I can't Portuguese. I mean. I mean, they can come, they can it's come like it's as close as speak, Spanish and Portuguese, right? We don't speak Portuguese, but we, you know we can pretty much get an idea what the hell you're talking about, right? Exactly. Um, but yes, it was it was marked on the outside of the theater, and this is evidence from uh, uh, pictures taken of the theater, both before and after, um, that there were children inside. Uh, the bombing of this theater trapped hundreds. Uh, the, the rescue attempts went on for days. I don't know what the outcome was because, again, Russia eventually took Mariupol. So, uh, so any information on on the people trapped in that theater is not going to be forthcoming anytime soon. Um, on March 18th, uh, six missiles were fired from the Black Sea at Lviv. Now, this incident was. Uh, interesting and the reason I, I noted it is because nobody knows where those missiles came from there's no verifiable intelligence that they came from Russia or that they came from Ukrainian forces or that they came from some other third party uh, the problem with this is that Lviv is very close to the border with Belarus where the peace talks have been happening and <laughs> since the beginning of this war uh uh, intelligence agencies have been guessing that Belarus would enter the war on Russian side, which would essentially spell doom for Ukraine because Belarus has a very good military. Um, that did not happen. 
but uh, but these six missiles were fired, and so some of the conjecture was that it was uh, Russia firing them in a, in a black ops kind of way in order to draw Belarus into the war. Um, on that same day, the United States, now this is another possibility, but on that same day, the United States warned China not to get involved. So China has been uh, doing a, a big media campaign on behalf of Russia. They've also been sending um, monetary aid to Russia and whatnot. Really, they've been Russia's biggest ally in this whole thing, which is to be expected. Um, but uh, the United States warned China not to get involved on the same day that these six mysterious missiles were fired in the general area of Belarus. Um, on March 20th, uh, Russian airstrikes destroy an art school in Mariupol, killing 400 civilians. Uh, none of the reported dead are uh, soldiers or militiamen or even civilians with firearms necessarily. On March 22nd, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, officially denied uh, the existence of biolabs in Ukraine. Well, now, that's know, where my note-taking stopped. What's okay. That? Well, you know why? is because Putin said that we had biolabs in Ukraine. That's part of the reason for the invasion. Yeah, and that's the next section I'm going to get into is the claims that, that uh, Putin has made. But it was an official denial by Biden, and that's why I wanted to note it. Now, that's where my notes stopped because, re- remember, we were initially set to record this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> However, uh, in the meantime, uh, the war has continued on. Uh, Russia took Mariupol. Uh, its citizens were evacuated. Most of its citizens were evacuated. I'm sure plenty got caught up in the uh, struggle. Um, another set of peace to, uh, ceasefire talks occurred um, during which nobody honored the ceasefire. They just talked. Um, and uh, uh, in total, and this number might have gone up, in total, five Russian generals have died in this invasion. Um, and I, I want to, because it's impressive, uh uh, point out that Ukraine has done a terrific job of resisting a much larger force invading. Now, I know that they're getting help from NATO and the United States and and all of these things, uh, but they've done much better than I think anybody expected them to against a full-scale Russian invasion. Well, one thing about the Russian generals that were killed, one of them was actually killed by his own people. Yes, yeah. There's been a there's been a lot of reports of dissension in the ranks amongst Russians, um, and to be quite honest, I can't say I blame them because, I mean, uh, Dwayne, you and I were both in Iraq the uh, the second time around. Um, how many times do we have to ask ourselves, what the fuck are we doing here? Imagine how the Russian troops are feeling in Ukraine, because <laughs> there was hardly any justification for the war in Iraq that we uh, that we pulled off. But there's even less war. <laughs> <boring>. Right. <laughs> um, so that's the timeline of events. Now, there are some specific um, uh, sections of things that are happening uh, that I, that I want to get into and talk deeply. And, uh, and the guys are going to help me out with this. Um, but before we do that, I need a break. I need a cigarette and some water. So let's cut to commercial and hear about all these fantastic shows right here on Radio Free Center. 
1966, Anton LaVey created the Church of Satan, marking the beginning of the Age of Fire and Year One Anno Satanus. In 1969, he published The Satanic Bible, codifying Satanism as a religion, the first time it's been done in human history. In the name of Satan, ruler of the earth, king of hell, come forth from the pit, bestow the blessings of hell upon us, for we are your children, and we invoke thee this night. In 2001, I was appointed High Priest of the Church of Satan. In 2007, I published the Satanic Scriptures, further defining and expanding on Satanic philosophy and greater magic ritual. Hail Satan, full of might! Our allegiance is with thee! Cursed are they! The God adorers! And cursed are the worshippers! For the past 50 years, the Church of Satan has stood as the sole organization to define and defend Satanism as a religion. And though pretenders to the infernal throne have come and gone, we have stood the test of time and will into the future. Visit churchofsatan.com for more information and read the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures. Knowledge is the solution for ignorance. Hail Satan! are so worried about what everybody else does. You know, you can't legalize pot, even forgot with glaucoma or AIDS, and you can't have an abortion, and you can't have an interracial marriage, and you can't do this. God, are you going to hell? Religious people? Really religious people, get me. Religious white people? You're the worst. Because Jews don't really give a shit what you do. Jews are just out there trying to make money and eat and have a good time. We don't... <laughs> We're not sure what goes I don't even know. I'm a Jew. I, I went to Hebrew school. I'm not sure what the hell goes on. We don't believe in heaven. There's no hell. There's no Jesus. We're just, eh. <laughs> you can ask a Jew, well, explain the Bible to me. Well, you know, eh. Yeah, you know, eh. I'm fine. I don't know. But religious white people, you're the bunch of dickheads that you have no patience for anything. Everybody's going to hell unless they're just like you. Blacks are going to hell and gays are going to hell and Jews are going to hell. We're all going to hell, which is fine with me. Because I'll tell you right now, the Jews will cater, blacks will entertain, the homos will decorate, it'll be one big fucking party! <laughs> big party at Satan's house! Come on down! My name is Reverend Bill M., and if you like religion-bashing laughter and other comedy that's not made for the masses, then check out The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com for more details. The Devil's Mischief, carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers available on Radio Free Satan. Take a trip back to the 1980s with me, Warlock Jeff Ivins, on the Metro Radio Free Satan's show highlighting the new wave and other hits from the indulgent decade only on RadioFreeSatan.com This is Reverend Gene, the host of Vox Satane, exclusively on Radio Free Satan. 
Join me every week as we indulge in the classical side of music spanning the past 1,000 years. Voxatani has already featured over 700 composers covering medieval, Baroque, classical, romantic, and contemporary music, including chant, choral, opera, keyboard, and orchestral music, with composers ranging from Gluck to Gilmore, Bach to Bellevance, Talis to Taverner, and Paganini to Perth. Get your weekly recommended dose of classical music right here on Voxatani, only on Radio Free Satan. With me, Reverend Jean. Hail Satan! Attention iTunes users. If you like this show and other programs from Radio Free Satan, then please take a moment to look us up on iTunes to rate and comment on the program. You can also do the same on Stitcher.com. Look up this program on Stitcher.com, rate it, and give us a review. And that's if you like the show, of course, you know, that you want to give it five stars and a good review, not... You know, give it one star and say a bunch of mean things. But hey, if you want to do that, then I'm sure there are a bunch of Christian podcasts on iTunes that you could do that on. Anyway, thank you for your support of RadioFreeSatan.com. And now back to the program. Welcome back to the official Infernal Legion podcast. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move into some other stuff now that I've bored you all to death with the timeline of events in Ukraine. Uh, let's jump into some of the specific uh issues that the whole world has kind of been enduring as a result of this. And I want to start, number one, with the uh, dissemination of uh, what I guess Putin and Trump would call fake news, what the rest <laughs> of us call disinformation and misinformation that's that's flying around this whole thing. It's making it really hard for people to really know what's going on because there's so much of this. And, of course, the biggest offender and this uh, in this conflict is Russia themselves. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into uh, some of the things that Russia has done to spread uh, disinformation and misinformation. Um, the first thing they did, which I thought was ballsy as fuck, uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in uh, Ireland being interviewed on on their uh, national TV. Uh, just basically straight up claimed that Russia did not attack Ukraine, that the whole thing wasn't even happening. (laughs) (laughs) He denied that there were troops in Ukraine. He denied that. Meanwhile, everyone's watching what's happening in Ukraine. But uh, just, yeah, just straight up lied about it. So, no, that's not going on. (laughs) Um, Which, of course, uh, uh, China, uh, who's been boosting the Russian uh, uh, propaganda campaigns, um, has has played that clip of him denying it and nothing else as a rebuttal to it over and over to their sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'm just laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right along with uh, on the heels of that is is uh, straight up denial from the Russian uh, the office of the president there. Uh, uh, saying that they did not strike any civilian targets in Ukraine, that they have not struck any civilian targets, despite footage of them striking civilian targets being widespread. Now, obviously with this one, this is a little more of cover your own ass, right? Um, if if the state itself says, well, we didn't target any civilians, now it's the soldiers' fault uh, when things start to get uh, handled after the fact, especially in international criminal court. But still, it's uh, just a straight-up lie. (laughs) Um, Some of the more subtle things, 
that Russia has done in this regard has uh, has been to portray Russia as the victims of of uh, Ukrainian aggression uh, and that they're responding to protect their country. Uh, that's going to tie into some things that I talk about here in a minute. But um, they've also uh, uh, com- given false numbers, uh, sometimes zero, sometimes way under the fact about numbers of casualties um, that have occurred both on the Russian side and the Ukrainian side. Um, and uh, I, I suppose one of the, the, the more concerning ones uh, is that they have been arresting and jailing citizens uh, who spread any information aside from the official narrative. Now, we mentioned earlier that about 1,400 c- c- civilians in Russia got arrested during protests on that first day of protests. Uh, Jeff, you pointed out it's up to 4,000 now. Um, there are a lot of reports about uh, what the Russian police forces, internal police forces, are doing with this. Uh, everything from, like I mentioned earlier, just arresting you for being in a public square for too long um, to randomly stopping uh, citizens and questioning them about their allegiances. And then just uh, a few days ago, I saw a clip from a Russian talk show, like a, like a news talk show, where a – and I, I'm not sure about my Russian rank to American rank, but I'm, I think he was a colonel, a Russian colonel. Colonel Supreme. Um, uh, stood up on the show when he was being interviewed and asked uh, for a moment of silence for uh, Russian troops that had fallen in Ukraine. And the host immediately jumped up to silence him, and they cut the camera on him, and no one's heard from this colonel since. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, getting, it's, it's very authoritarian police state going on in Russia. Not that anyone's surprised about that. It is Russia, after all. But some of this stuff is just so blatant and outright that it's uh, it's kind of disturbing. And um, Jeff, you have some some information about a certain private or- organization using that term loosely, <laughs> uh, who is is trying to combat this and get the word out to Russian citizens. So you want to talk about that for a minute? Uh, yeah, basically the um, hack hacktivist group or whatever you want to call it, anonymous. Uh, set up a website to where you can go and send text messages to Russian civilians letting them know what is going on in Crimea or in, in the Ukraine. And also, I just two hours ago, um, I, I for some reason I'm just intrigued by Anonymous, but. They leaked 495,000 emails from Russian company Technotech, which which has provided oil and gas field services along with chemical reagents used for producing and transferring oil and company or to companies such as Rosneft and Gazpromnaft. And also, they are telling Putin that he has no secrets left. They're releasing information almost on a daily basis uh, that they've hacked into. So, it anonymous is right. Ever since the invasion started, they've been right. They've been doing a cyber warfare tactic. Yeah, which is uh, <laughs> you know I I'm not. Uh, not going to necessarily 
say anything positive or negative towards that because that's their own business. But I'm going to guess that Ukraine doesn't have a robust cyber warfare division. Uh, probably not. So, no. so this is probably helping them quite a, a, a great deal. Well, I, heard, uh, I heard people, uh, well, I heard of complaints coming out. Uh, well, how's Russia supposed to make money? How are we supposed to live? Well, they're allowing now the Russians to buy and or to buy stuff and sell stuff with the ruble and only the ruble. You cannot buy with the U.S. dollar. You cannot do any other. You have to do everything Soviet or not Soviet. Excuse me. Russian, <laughs> yes, it's important. The Soviet Union is no longer <laughs> right. We're not right. Though I think Putin but wants the Soviet Union back. I do. I oh, I think that that's too. a fair bet. I mean, we we. I don't even have to get into how obviously corrupt Vladimir Putin is. I mean, he's been president for how long now? And before he was president, I think his last job was KGB operative. Yeah, so, he, was, <laughs> he was. He was chief of the he, KGB. He was a, he was a supreme <laughs> colonel as well. Uh, my, my, my point is, is nobody wants the ruble because it's worthless, right? And it would and it would take too many damn rubles to try to buy something. And again, nobody, you know, nobody wants it. Nobody wants to use it. So they're still fucked. They ain't getting anything done. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I do want to talk about some Ukrainian. Uh, let's just call them. Uh, propaganda pieces that have been coming out that are less than above board, if we're being honest here. Right. Um, First and foremost was the actions of President Zelensky himself. Now, one of the things that he did was declare martial law. Now, I'm a a liberty guy. You guys know that. Obviously, in a war zone, that's kind of going to be what happens. I understand that. Not a big fan of it still. <laughs> um, uh, following up with the uh, uh, martial law declaration, he signed declarations unifying all television and radio stations into a single state media organization. Um, now, again, I can understand the uh, the process here, but it's, it's, it's not something that sits well with me. They're saying democracy, right? They're saying democracy, and we want to be more uh, uh, democratic, this and that. Then they turn around and go back to, but they're they're using obvious authoritarian policies, yeah, right. And and to follow that up was uh, Zelensky banning eleven opposition parties, political parties in his country, uh, until the nebulous term until the war is over. Which, when you have martial law declared in a single state media, that's over whenever you say it is. Uh, it could be years after the fact. Now, I'm not saying that that uh, Zelensky is going to be this kind of guy. But whoever comes after him might be. And he's put the, the framework in place for them. Well, look at the Korean War. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. still, it's still war. I mean, if that were the case here, I mean, think how many years. Sorry, now, our party will not be here for 50 years. Two uh, very sketchy things besides this. I mean, because this is just policy stuff that I just personally disagree with, and I don't like seeing that happen. But um, maybe that's what's necessary in the Ukraine. They could always go that route. But there are two things specifically that that really just I, I've seen no uh, 
um, justification for it. And that is, uh, one, uh, Zelensky banned reporters in, in the Ukraine, not Ukrainian reporters, reporters in the Ukraine from contacting or interviewing Russian troops in Ukraine. Now, obviously that's a dangerous job being a work correspondent and Russian troops are probably not going to be very friendly with, uh, like, so let's say American reporters, for example, but to ban that, uh, to ban them even attempting to talk to Russian troops is, uh, a violation of the Geneva convention. One sided news. Yeah. Uh, and then after banning them, made the public claim to the European Union in a meeting that Belarus had entered the Ukraine, that soldiers from Belarus had entered the Ukraine. Now, U.S. intelligence agencies have seen no evidence of this. Um, As far as anyone outside of Ukraine can tell, uh, Belarus, while being a Russian ally, has not committed any um, troops or military action in support of Russia. They have allowed peace talks to occur, in Belarus and have obviously been used as a staging ground for Russian troops uh, when necessary, as allies are wont to do, but they have not personally entered the war. And then the final thing specifically about Ukraine that's really weird, eh, it's not really weird, it's it's propaganda 101, it's a PSYOP 101, our own troops do it, is all these images floating around of Ukrainian celebrities uh, in their full battle rattle Right to, uh, to go to war. Now, here's the thing. They have armed most of their citizenry. I understand that. Um, and it obviously is a big boost to the troops uh, right. to see celebrities on your side. We did the same thing with USO tours in, in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, and in wars past. Uh, but there is absolutely no evidence that these celebrities that are posed all too perfectly with these really, really shiny firearms that have never seen a day of action are actually out there in the ship fighting Russian troops. And that includes President Zelensky himself, who has been kind of propped up as this heroic figure for staying in the country, which is ballsy, staying in a country when you're being invaded. Um, But for all of these images of him basically being a war fighter, uh, when that's not a president's that's not what a president's going to do. He's certainly not doing it. He's not on the ground in Kiev firing shots at Russians. He's doing what a president has to do and petitioning other countries for aid and making sure that uh corridors are set up for his citizens to escape or for uh arms and equipment to be brought in. Um uh and, you know, things a president has to do in wartime. But the image that they portray is that he's out there um squeezing off rounds at, at Russian tanks and it's just not happening. Um, well, I do have one question it, though. Yeah. Uh, do you believe the reports that, uh, Russia tried to, uh, assassinate him? I haven't. I, all right. So I haven't seen specific reports about dates and times and stuff, but it would not surprise me at all. Okay. I, like, I, 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 I'm just saying because they would fall into either Russia or, uh, Ukraine propaganda that he survived like six attacks. Right, and it's it's one of those things where it's it's hard to verify um, something like that, but I believe it because, of course, if I'm going to if if I'm Russia for a moment and I'm going to invade a country and their uh, their leader is going to stick around, mm-hmm. I'm certainly going to try to take him out. So <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me that they would. Now, whether or not. 
those attacks, how close those attacks were, whether or not they actually happened. I don't have any specific details that I can that I can share because I just haven't found anything verifiable. Yeah. You know? and, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Have you seen anything on the? Uh, oh, I do want to say it. Youth trafficking or human trafficking? No. I haven't, no. No. I've seen a little bit on that. And I, I was seeing well, we were gonna hit. That honestly wouldn't surprise me either, considering we mentioned earlier during the timeline that a lot of the, the civilians who got armed to fight the Russians are, are actually these gangs. So let's, let's you know, not um, cut any corners here. Ukraine has a long history of corruption and organized crime. Right. Uh, in its country. And so now these gangs are armed with, with military equipment. And one of the biggest things that organized crime is involved in is human trafficking. Human trafficking and drug trafficking. That's <laughs> like their, uh, right. their claim to fame. So that honestly wouldn't surprise me either with a bunch of refugees trying to leave uh, and now uh, uh, military armed gangs running the streets. Right. I'm uh, sure there's that's what I was, been a few. That's what I was getting at, you know, with, yeah. with, with all the people leaving and trying to leave. The people that chose to go to Russia, the people that chose to go to Belarus, stuff like that, or wherever, right. or wherever they chose to go. I just, I, I heard something about trafficking today. I didn't hear nothing about it. Right. Here. Now, one thing that's been coming out of both sides on this, um, and by both sides, I mean the, the Russian and Chinese side, because this is really the propaganda wars, Russia and China, and then Ukraine and its NATO allies. So Ukraine's not part of NATO. And it probably won't be at this point, no. um, but uh, but Ukraine and its NATO allies uh, and they're waging an information war. Now, this is not controversial stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's you can't believe just your own side. Propaganda is a part of war; it has to be. Um, but what's been a really weird occurrence? It hasn't happened lately, but in the beginning days of the of the invasion, there were multiple videos on both sides. Like I said, coming yeah. out. Um, being pitched as uh, combat videos from this invasion. So uh, Ukrainians right. uh, showing their troops valiantly fighting down the Russians or Russians showing them uh, getting out of an ambush and stuff like this. And all of these videos are fake. Um, several of them are from past conflicts uh, that don't even involve Russia or the Ukraine. Like there was uh, at least two of them were from a Syrian um, uh, battle and not even the one that Russia was involved in. <laughs> it was uh, it was pictures of uh, or it was a video of uh, Syrian troops fighting ISIS troops. Um, that was pitched off as as one of these. Uh, and then there's been even more that are actually screen grabs from video games like Call of Duty and things of that nature. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's funny. <clears throat> it's funny if you look at. Um... Um, Ukrainian uh, president, when he walks around now, his guy with him will point and his watch the date and time on it because people were saying that they were bullshit. He ain't out there walking around. He's in a bunker and this shit is taped. You'll, right, you'll yeah. see him now. He'll have it. He'll put up his watch, time, date, everything. No, to be fair, there have been a couple videos of Zelensky speaking that I've questioned might have been against green screens. That doesn't mean that he's you know. Not right. in Ukraine or anything like that, but uh, right. but yeah, I don't know. It's 
there's so much propaganda flying around about this. And, uh, and of course, every, as, as you'll always have in an international conflict of this, every side is pointing at the other side and say, oh, no, they're the ones doing it, when in reality, everyone's doing it. Right. Um, so I, I want to shift gears and talk about two um, specific claims that Vladimir Putin has made. Um, and the first one, uh, these are both claims that he's made to justify his invasion of Ukraine. Now, I want to right off the bat say both of these things he's partially correct on. Neither of these things are justification for the invasion. Uh, and I'm almost positive neither of them were thought of prior to the investigation or the um, prior, prior to the, to the uh, uh, yeah to the offensive um, because the first as we mentioned during the timeline the first uh, or during the disinformation section the first uh, excuse that Russia gave was that the war wasn't even happening <laughs> so they are definitely making these up on the fly. But both of these specific claims do have a kernel of truth to them. And the first one is uh, Vladimir Putin addressed the United Nations, and he said uh, – he referenced a genocide in Ukraine in the Donbass region and said, quote, that Russia is striving for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. Bullshit. This was – this was a, a, a quickly buried lead, basically, right? The, the official story was that, of course, there's no fucking Nazis in Ukraine. Their president is Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are, in fact, Nazis in Ukraine. Um, there are several uh, <laughs> actual Nazis who uh, moved to that region after World War II. They may be dead, but their families are still in that area. Um, but then there's specifically one organization that I want to talk about, and that is the Azov Special Operations Detachment, also known as the Azov Battalion or Regiment. So the Azov Special Operations Detachment started as a volunteer police company and a volunteer militia in the Donbass region during the uh, 2014 situations that we discussed in the timeline. Um, they were not officially a part of the Ukrainian military at this time. They have been accused of targeting uh, and disappearing civilians, executing civilians in the street, um, and uh, several other atrocities. Uh Later that year, in 2014, uh, they were officially incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard as an actual military unit. Here's the rub with the Azov Battalion. They are Ukrainian nationalists. Uh, they are not just Ukrainian nationalists. They are outright, outspoken neo-Nazis. Uh, they use uh, Nazi symbols. Uh, they have a... a now. I know what that sounds like because I have tattoos of some of these things. But they use a uh, battalion crest that has a black sun and a wolf single on it. Um, they have a foreign regiment detachment that's a, that's a part of the, the greater unit. Um, and in that foreign regiment detach detachment, no one except for ethnically white people from Europe are allowed to apply. 
Um, I, in 2016, a Polish war correspondent uh, embedded with Azov uh, to film their day-to-day operations and recorded numerous um, instances of the, the so-called Aryan salute, um, Nazi tattoos, um, Nazi talking points amongst the troops. Um, these symbols that I mentioned they use in their battalion crests and whatnot have also been picked up by regular army Ukrainian troops and used. There, are, there is footage of them walking around with swastikas, black suns, wolf sandals, um, <clears throat> and these are regular Ukrainian soldiers, not not necessarily the Azov battalion. Um, in 2015, this is where it gets interesting, uh, the United States Army deployed some National Guard troops to Ukraine to officially train the Azov Battalion. They trained and armed the Azov Battalion for about a year uh, until Congress reversed the course after the ties to uh, Nazism and white supremacy was, was brought to their um, attention. And then in 2019, uh, Congress also, uh, or Congress Democrats, United States Congress Democrats, called for the Azov Battalion to be listed as terrorists due to their beliefs. Um, the Azov founder, Andre Beletsky, uh, is also the leader of a far-right political party called the Social National Assembly. And this year, before the invasion, um, at their get together the political party get together he was quoted as saying the historic mission this is a quote from him i want to be very clear about that this is not me this is a quote from andre beletsky the leader of the azov battalion who said the historic mission of our nation is to lead the world in a final crusade for their survival a crusade against the semite-led intervention wow so it bears out that there is apparently some Nazi activity happening in Ukraine. Thoughts? Well, we got Nazi activity here in the United States, but you don't see Russia trying to invade us. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Of course, they would know better than to try to invade us. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, Ukraine doesn't have any nuclear weapons. No, they don't. Not only that, but also, remember the movie Red Dawn? (laughs) Well, there's actually, as a quick side note, I saw just the other day, uh, a group of, a civilian militia took down a Russian tank and spray-painted wolverines on the side. I have seen that too. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Now, so, to, to this Azov battalion, this is obviously, like I said before, this was not why Putin invaded Ukraine. And honestly, if it was just one battalion of soldiers that he was worried about, that's an easy enough fix for any military as big as Russia's. However, there is a kernel in truth in what he's saying, that there is a neo-Nazi problem in Ukraine. And there's also video, by the way, to, to the Zelensky's a Jew argument of Zelensky giving a speech and trying to motivate the Azov battalion, and they just leave in the middle of his speech. So they are a member of the Ukrainian military officially, but they don't listen to Zelensky. So they're like a whole separate thing. <laughs> well, same thing here in the United States. We've got people that are with ultranationalists 
that are in the armed forces, and they're there to learn a trade, to learn the military tactics. Right, but this is, but what you're talking about, and this is a, a real thing. We, we've pointed it out before. There are extremists embedded in in the U, uh, U.S. military that are there trying to either run guns or learn how to fight. Yeah, but we don't have a whole battalion that we slap a swastika on and show off on our Twitter. Well, that's true. So. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I don't think that that was the reason for the invasion, but it's it's not without its merit. And when uh, people are waving around Ukrainian flags on the streets of uh, New York City, they they might want to know. They might well, be giving their. The, the, my whole thing is basically, to me, Putin, like I've said before, wants the old Soviet Union back. Ukraine yeah. seemed, you know, because uh, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union at one time. You remember they were, that's where Chernobyl happened. Yeah. But he wants, he, he wants it. Belarus is no problem. He's already got a puppet government in there. Mm-hmm. And he just wants... I think that's a big part of the problem, is the puppet government. I think yeah. that uh, with Zelensky... He doesn't have a... Country, he, he, doesn't he doesn't have, have someone to pull his Exactly. Up. You, you guys see those idiots go up there to Chernobyl, and they, they dug tank emplacements and bunkers and everything? Yeah, and they got... And got they got sicker shit from yep. the radiation? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Russia still claims that they uh, that they hold Chernobyl. By the way, but I think that anyone who was holding it has probably lost all their hair. <laughs> Anybody that was holding it really don't give a fuck about having exactly. right. It's, it's not anything. a strategic area, no. <laughs> oh, not anymore. Well, unless you're trying to make a dirty bomb or something like yeah. that. But but no, and, well, and also now that uh, Russia has shifted their um, their forces to the east of Ukraine, excuse me, they're looking for a pathway to where they can merge the Donbass or whatever region and the Crimea area. They're trying, they want to, they want to section off. Well, that would essentially, that would essentially landlock uh, Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. That's what they want to do is landlock them. And, And honestly, I, I think that that's how this is going to end. Uh, I don't know how much brutal, how much more brutal it's going to get, but my gut is telling me that this ends with uh, Ukraine, Russia agreeing to pull out of the rest of Ukraine and acknowledging them as an autonomous country as long as they get to keep Crimea and Donbass. Yeah, um, that's what and, I can see too. I think that's where it's going to go. And that way Russia, Putin gets to save face with the Russians and say, see, we won the war because we get we liberated ethnic Russians. And Ukraine gets to say, hey, we beat the Russians. <laughs> well, it, it's <laughs> kind of like Afghanistan right. again. You know, both right. sides say, oh, well, we won. You know, there is no winner in this situation, no matter what side you're on. Not at all. But the propaganda will tell you otherwise. <laughs> well, this is true. That's why it's called propaganda. And Putin's a master of it. Right. And I believe that was his actual job, too. And Before he became the leader of the KGB, his job was to do black propaganda for the Soviet Union. It was. So, of course, he's very good. At well, he was, actually, he was actually in East Germany on the wall there. That was his primary right, post. Right. 
I mean, he wasn't right. all the way back in Russia or nothing like that. He was right there. So the the other big claim that Putin made, now mind you, this was after saying nothing happened and, and the war isn't actually occurring, and after claiming that it was the Nazis that made him want to go in, he then claimed that uh, Russian troops had stumbled across several biolabs in Ukraine funded by the United States, which are developing bioweapons. Now, this is a claim similar to the Nazi claim that has a kernel of truth to it, um, but also is not the reason for the invasion, and it'll be, it'll be clear as I explain this kernel of truth. So, immediately after making this claim, the uh, Senate Armed Forces Committee gathered and grilled a handful of people, one of whom was Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland. She stated on the record that Ukraine does have bioresearch facilities, that uh, the United States policy is that they are afraid Russia will seize control of them and they do not want them to gain control of the materials inside these research facilities. And she also added that she has no doubt that if there were a chemical attack carried out in Ukraine, it would be Russia behind it. So, read between the lines here. First and foremost, biolabs exist in Ukraine, several of them. Um, And uh, there are materials in there which could be used to create a chemical weapon. Now, that is not an admission that the United States has been developing chemical weapons. There's a whole reason, there's whole reasons that this could be happening. I'm going to go into a few of those reasons. The United States has officially declared that it has been working with former Soviet nations to clean up and contain Seaburn that was just discarded by the Soviet Union when they split up. Seaburn being chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear uh, materials. Um, so when the Soviet Union disbanded, the official Soviet army, which was basically the core of that, was Russian. Uh, they all went back to Russia, and they just kind of left a bunch of shit laying around. From chemical weapons to nuclear weapons to uh, small arms, all kinds of stuff which just kind of left them. The United States has been working with these former Soviet nations, as have other NATO nations, to clean this stuff up, collect it, discard it appropriately, or store it, depending on what the, uh, the case may be. There is a subsection of this program called the Biological Threat Reduction Program, uh, which works to consolidate and secure pathogens and toxins of security concern in these biolabs. That's directly from their website. So, again, they are working with materials which could be used to create a chemical weapon. This is where it gets sketchy. There's a company called Black & Veatch out of Kansas City here in the United States. Black & Veatch has invested over $20 billion into this project, this Biological Threat Reduction Program project. Uh, They are essentially government contractors um, who are assisting with this program. They are listed as a donor and recipient for every single biolab in the Ukraine. So there's a kernel of truth to what Putin is saying. But that's not the reason for the invasion. No. (laughs) And uh, every propaganda thing has one kernel of truth. And then Mm -hmm. you just take it and just blow, come up with some bullshit explanation. Right. And 
because you got that little kernel of truth, mm-hmm. people are going to believe you and everything right. else. And it so blows you, up exponentially. Exactly. Now, what I will say is that this this claim, I think he might have thought this one out a little bit because the uh, satellite mapping from the first day of the invasion. Obviously, during the first day of the invasion, just like we did in Iraq, we had shock and awe, right? We have a lot of a big bombing campaign. Russia did the same thing in Ukraine. And the maps, the satellite maps from that first day show this could just be a coincidence, too, but show all of the Russian airstrikes are within a few miles of each of these biolabs. Again, this is not the reason for the invasion. That's pretty clear to see. But he did a, a a better job of covering his tracks on this one than he did with the Nazis. Yeah, I, but I, but both of them, I still <laughs> I still call bullshit on both of them. I you agree. Know? I agree. I think that uh, uh, with the Nazis, it's um, so this is this is what I think is happening here. with the Nazis. It is a uh, a good excuse because everyone in the world fucking hates Nazis except for uh, Nazis. Yeah. Right. And so having an actual battalion like the Azov battalion there, Putin can capitalize that and say, look, they're the bad guys. Look at all the swastikas. And it probably did win some people's sympathies over to him. Um, and then with the biolabs, so what we're not going to talk about when it comes to the biolabs is the whole Hunter Biden connection. And the reason we're not going to talk about that because none of it's fucking relevant. It, there's so much shit going on with that that we're not sure about anything. So there's no reason to talk about it. But there is a section of the American population, a large section of the American population, that is convinced that President Biden and his whole family is tied up in this Black and Beach biolab thing in Ukraine. And that is a way to further the culture divide that's happening in the United States right now and that's why he's pointing it out i'm not going to fall for it but that's why he's doing it in my well, opinion well it's like lavrov <laughs> talking about we didn't we didn't invade um ukraine unfortunately that was a lie so from here on out right. everything yeah. he says is so a everything's lie it's got to be suspect <laughs> yeah it's, it's suspect and you got to go whoa 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 whoa, whoa. right so yeah because you know, you're bombing fucking theaters and hospitals and telling us that you're not even in there. Yeah, while we exactly. See you exactly. <laughs> you know, and we, um, we got footage of all this bullshit right. that they're doing. So, um, so I want to to close out the episode by getting into the State of the Union address, which happened in, in early March. I believe it was March second. I don't have the date written down here. Um, uh, does anyone have anything else to say about? Disinformation, neo-Nazis, or biolabs? No, I don't. All right. So I want to kind of close out talking about the State of the Union address uh, because it ties in to what's happening in Ukraine um, and also because the president mentioned uh, veterans programs uh, a handful of times in his speech. (laughs) Uh, So first and foremost, let's talk about the veterans stuff. Uh, President Biden... Uh, spoke uh, for uh, quite a minute about uh, the burn pits and the lasting effects of burn pits. Now, if you've been listening to this show or you know a veteran who deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan, you know burn pits are a really big deal right now. Um, And the VA has not been doing its job to help those veterans. 
Um, he pledged, the president pledged a four-tiered, quote, unity agenda, including enhanced support for burn pit victims and broader mental health benefits. What those specifics are of that, he did not mention during this speech. He did bring up his son, Bo, who, as we all know, is uh, is a veteran, well, was a veteran and, uh, and passed away, and mentioned that Bo had been exposed to these burn pits and that he had crippling migraines until the day that he passed. Um, the only specific in this is that the Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry is being expanded, and so I encourage... Um, and if you don't know how to do this, get with Dwayne. He will walk you through the process. Um, if you enlisted or were commissioned after 1990 and you were exposed to a burn pit, now this could be burning garbage, uh, uh, burning human waste, um, or anything like that, um, especially if you were an Iraq or Afghanistan veteran, because that was very prevalent during both of those campaigns, um, you need to sign up for this Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry. This helps the VA keep track of how many veterans were exposed to it and what kind of problems they, they can – it helps them figure it out, right? Um, so make sure that you go sign up for that. And if you don't know how to, get a hold of Warlock Dwayne Burns here, and he will help walk you through it. Now, why am I bringing up the State of the Union on an episode about Ukraine? I will, I will be honest with you guys for the first probably – seven to ten minutes of that speech, I thought it was the State of Ukraine address. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of talk about the U.S. or the State of our Union. Uh, I understand everything was fresh at that time. Everything was, was very new. And obviously the Ukrainian ambassador was in attendance. Uh, uh, but, yeah, he spoke a lot about the situation. Everything he said at the beginning of it, personally, I think is unimportant. Um, to the to to what we're trying to disseminate here, what he ended it with is what bothers me. Um, people have been asking constantly, or not asking, demanding constantly, the U.S. do more. Now we've done quite a fucking bit uh, in this, uh, from from banning uh, the biggest one is banning Russian oil imports, um, the the numerous sanctions. The uh, uh, working with our NATO allies to to uh, close off the banking system, closing off our airspace. We have deployed, like I said, ten thousand troops right on the border of Ukraine. I and just I watched, fucking hope they never step over that border. I just watched <laughs> an additional eight hundred million worth of arms we just gave them. Yeah, and that's in addition. They just to had it listed on TV earlier. Um, but he ended the speech. Um, with a few words about Ukraine, a few final words about Ukraine, and then and then this quote: "God bless you all, and may God protect our troops." Thank you. Go get him. Now we all know that our president isn't always the best speaker, <laughs> so this could have just been him trying to close things up in his head. But what concerns me about it is that it may be foreshadowing some type of direct action against Russia. And that's where I kind of have to inject my personal viewpoint. Uh, and that is, I, I don't think that Russia had any validation to invade Ukraine. I do think Ukraine is a, is a terribly corrupt country that needs to get its shit together. 
But uh, it's not going to do that with a Russian invasion. And Russia wouldn't do that for it, even if it were. But at the end of the day, this is their problem to solve. Because this isn't Iraq or Afghanistan. If our troops cross that border and start engaging Russian soldiers, the Cold War is no longer cold. And we face the very real threat of an all-out nuclear war. And that doesn't benefit anybody in my book. So that's why I take. What do you guys think? I fully agree. Um, I, I, I I hate to be the dickhead here, but I I don't think we get out of this uh, out of this situation without a very low yield or air burst nuclear weapon being done, just so that somebody can flex their flex their muscles or. Or shake their dick around, you know. Hey, look what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't see, I don't see it ending without that happening. Yeah, I think it's a real possibility. I do think it's a real possibility. I can't yeah. say anything. <laughs> we, we what, what are your What are your thoughts, Jeff? What are, what My are thoughts? thoughts. Yeah, emotionally, I guess, or politically. <laughs> I really like I said I cannot say I really can't say um, you've got you know as as I said before Putin wants the Soviet Union back we don't want the Soviet Union back you know right. and, and all this other stuff so it's it's kind of you know it, I really can't go there because of that background I had Right. So I'm me personally. I don't give a shit if there's a union of Soviet Socialist Republic over there. I do. If they want. Well, I mean, okay, that's because, their thing. That's their thing. No, because all the, all the other European countries, even though they're not communists, they're socialists as well. I mean, well, a little socialism isn't bad, and I said a right. little. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm going to stay out of that one. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, a little socialism is not bad. If you think about it, the VA is socialized medi- Medicare or medicine. Yeah, it, it works perfectly. It does. Well, <laughs> if they would fund it properly, it might work better. <laughs> so, but no, like I said, it's because of my well, background, I, I, I really I can't get into it. So, so, I know, the, I know. The, the leftovers from the Cold War I uh, have a big uh, fuck commies, we're capitalist uh, uh, mentality. And yeah. I don't think the issue with the Soviet Union was ever that it was a communist country. Now, their internal issues, I, I very much think, was a big problem. But yeah. the problem on the world stage wasn't that they were communist, it's that they were a threat. They were and, aggr- they, and they were aggressive. Well, making themselves a threat. Well, yeah. we've, got NATO, <laughs> we've got NATO and we're part of NATO. Right. Russia will never be a part of NATO ever. No, no they're the reason no. NATO. So is do formed. Russia. So do Russia go over and make their own little uh, scout club over there? There are. There does seem to be a uh, an unspoken alliance between Russia, China, North Korea, um, yeah. and a handful of dictators oh, in Africa. You you don't you don't even want to hear what I got the other day. Um, you you grew up on your parents with uh, Herbert W. Armstrong, didn't you? 
I did indeed. Yes, I'm surprised I did, you knew that. <laughs> I did as well. I did as well. Worldwide Church of God. My oh mom. yeah. Oh yeah. And Best doomsday cult in the world. <laughs> my God. You know what's happening now is that Vladimir Putin is the Antichrist. Oh God. Um <laughs> is, it's not Biden. He's He's not, <laughs> and he, he's got his his three. He's got three out of the four horsemen already. He's mm. got he's got Korea. He's got China. He's got India, and there's supposed to be one more horseman to join Putin. And then after uh, that, uh, all the shit's gonna happen. <laughs> and we're for anyone who doesn't know what the hell Dwayne's talking about, you have to look up the Worldwide Church of God and Herbert W. Armstrong. The guy was crackpot. Oh God! But he <laughs> he he thought he had his shit together, and boy, my mom he he would say hey, he was making. I need ten dollars for my fifty million dollar plane, and my mom would send him two hundred. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Putin is the Antichrist, and we've already got three of the four horsemen out there. And, so who's uh, the four? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> India, and don't forget the world. <laughs> right, right. Oh yes, according to the Simpsons. If you all keep up on your Simpsons uh, episodes, and we know how accurate the Simpsons are at telling history or predicting history, the fifth of May is the day when the first nuke is going to blow on this whole war thing. So mark your calendars, the 5th of May. I hope it don't happen. <clears throat> well, Oh, I do too, Jeff. I do too. That That is, uh, that is at least uh, our three humble takes on the happenings in Ukraine. Now that we've done the deep dive, as new information comes up, we'll, we'll update you in future Sinister Scuttlebutt episodes. But there was no way that we could approach the situation without going in-depth into what's happening. And um, bring up Herbert W. Armstrong. <laughs> cool, of course, because the, the Worldwide Church of God always has to get a nod in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be back in about uh, about two weeks uh, with our next Wicked Warrior of the Month interview. We have a fantastic guest lined up for that. Uh, so in the meantime, Jeff, Dwayne, do you have anything else on this? I don't. I don't. Uh, we're a good episode, guys. All right. So until uh, until we uh, until you hear from us again, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Veteran Suicide Hotline phone number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five one eight hundred two seven three talk. And as soon as you dial that, you press number one. Also, you can text to eight three eight two five five. For more information, but it is just as effective as chat. Support is free, confidential, and available 24-7. It is available to all servicemen and women, active and inactive, guard or reserve, and available to veterans, family members as well.